0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am Susan, and you are listening to The Darker Side of Things. Welcome back everybody. I had such a great time last week uh doing the episode with my son. Even if he is my son, I think he did a fantastic job. I'm so proud of him. Um and as you and as he's told everybody, you know, he he does have Asperger's. So this was uh definitely going outside of his comfort zone and uh, again I am so proud of him and I hope that he will do uh, other episodes with me because I really enjoyed doing it. Um, And before we begin I wanted to say that um, I am really sorry for not uh, doing the personal accounts um, because I know I had said in a prior episode that I was going to get together with my family and do an episode on the house that we used to live in. Unfortunately, there have been some um, blockades, so to speak, (laughs) surrounding that. And um, all those involved have not had the opportunity to get together. Their schedules have conflicted with other things. And um, so we had to cancel. And what we're going to do at this point is just put it on hold until we know for certain that everybody can get together. So again, I'm sorry for not getting that out to you um sooner, uh but it is what it is and and I'm just glad that I can uh you know correct it and and then, you know, move forward. So tonight, what I am going to do is uh an episode on the Haunted Crescent Hotel. You don't really hear a lot about this hotel. At least I hadn't until I started my research and I came across this and I started reading about it and I was like, wow, this is a, this is a a jewel that has yet to be, you know, discovered or unpacked or, you know, however you want to look at it or say it or whatever. Um, So I thought that I would uh, bring this to you. It's quite interesting, the the happenings and, and how it came to be what it is today. So the first question that I'm going to ask is, is the Crescent Hotel haunted? Well, if you believe in ghosts and believe all the reports surrounding this particular hotel, not only is it haunted, but it's considered to be the most active haunted hotel in the United States. That's a pretty bold thing to say. So let's dive into this case and review the history and stories surrounding this very old hotel. Hang on to your hats! It's about to get spooky in here. The hotel was constructed in 1886 in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, by the Eureka Springs Improvement Company and the Frisco Railroad. Its designer was Isaac L. Taylor, a well-known architect for the time. Due to the popularity of the supposed healing springs, which is our uh, which Arkansas is famous. Arkansas's famous hot springs. Sorry, I uh, got tongue tied there. Um, it was thought that building this massive hotel would be a financial gold mine. It was supposed to be a getaway for the rich and famous, and it was designed as a spa in a secluded part of the Ozark Mountains. Its construction began in 1884 and stonemasons were brought in all the way from Ireland to do the building. Apparently, they were uh, pretty good builders, so they wanted to get the best uh, to take on this project. It was designed in an an eclectic array of architectural styles. They built 18-inch walls, overhanging balconies, towers, and a huge stone fireplace in the lobby. In the end, The hotel costs came to around $294,000, which was extremely high for the time. And I did some calculations, and that dollar amount equates to $9,123,810 in today's money. Can we say, wow, that's a ton of money? The hotel opened its doors on May 20th, 1886. The local newspaper called it America's Most Luxurious Resort Hotel. And oh, it was for that time period. The opening hosted 400 guests with a grand gala ball, complete with full orchestra. After that, everybody and their brothers came here to experience its luxury. At the turn of the century, however, everyone began to realize that the healing springs weren't all that and didn't provide uh, what was being solicited, so less and less travelers came to the area. In the end, it became too much to maintain, with 78 rooms expanding to four floors. Maintaining it uh, was probably a nightmare, no pun intended. Needless to say, it fell into disrepair and had to close. It reopened in 1908 as the Crescent College and Conservatory for Young Women and did remain as a summer resort from 1908 to 1924. But again, because the revenues from tuition and summer guests weren't high enough to keep it going, it closed its doors and remained that way for the next six years. It reopened for a short time from 1930 to 1934 as a junior college and again closed its doors. In 1937, Norman Baker bought the hotel and opened a cancer hospital and health resort. So let's find out who Norman Baker was. Norman Baker was born an American on eight. He was born an American, sorry, again, tongue-tied. On November 27, 1882, and he died September 10th, 1958. His profession was a radio broadcaster and entrepreneur, as well as an inventor. His claim to fame was promoting a supposed cure for cancer in the 1930s. This same proclamation will also get him a state and federal prison term. He was also their creator-inventor of the Tangley caliphone, which was uh, an air-blown musical instrument similar to a calipy. So my apologies. It's not a calipy. I looked it up. It just didn't sound right. It is a callyu. <laughs> so not a caliphy, a calliope. Anyway, enough about Mr. Baker. Um, he really doesn't deserve a whole lot of attention in this because he was an evil man. But what he did was advertise miracle cures that didn't require surgery. Neither were they painful, nor did it require extensive testing. He simply alleged the patients would walk away from the hospital cancer free. His miracle miracle cure was nothing more than watermelon seed extract, corn silk and Clover. And get this, he wasn't even a doctor. So how on earth would he even know what to do for anyone who was sick, let alone cure cancer? What a piece of crap. Unbeknownst to those desperate to be rid of their cancer or ailments, Baker's claims were nothing but a scam, and he took advantage of these people's desperation for years. In 1939, he was arrested for mail fraud. It is estimated that he made about $500,000 per year selling his miracle elixirs through the mail. He was convicted and served four years in Leavenworth. The investigation proved um, that over the years, he had defrauded about $4 million out of his patients. While his cure didn't actually kill anybody, Most likely, it hastened their deaths because they weren't getting the necessary treatment they needed for their cancers. Not surprising at all, many of Baker's patients died and are now supposed to um, haunt the Crescent Hotel. The hotel sat empty during the war years of 1940 through 1946. The building was finally purchased by four businessmen in 1946, and began to restore the hotel to its former glory, although never really capturing what it used to be, and once again, it began to thrive. Tragedy again struck in 1967 when a fire broke out and swept through the fourth floor, south side wing, and pretty much destroyed the majority of it. Over the next several years, the hotel would change uh, many ha- hands many times, And it wasn't until 1997 when a couple purchased the hotel and began yet again the restoration of the grandeur of the hotel. The couple's names were Marty and Elise Ronick. They announced uh, they would pledge over the next five years to bring, quote, the Grand Lady of the Ozarks, unquote, back to where she was about 100 years ago. Now, I'm going to go over 10 frightening facts about the Crescent Hotel. Number one, it captured the attention of several TV series. Series. <laughs> series is not a word. It's series, <laughs> meaning plural. Number two, it has uh, creepy night tours. Number three, they tell the story of Norman Baker. Boo. Number four, There is a portal in the morgue of the hotel. Number five, the story of the man, Michael, who died in room uh, 218. Number six, the ghost of the famous Irene Castle. Number seven, a ghost named Theodora, who inhabits room 419. Number eight, haunting on the third floor in laundry room. Number nine, many paranormal experiences occur here, obviously. And number 10, the hotspot crystal dining room. So let's talk about these 10 facts. We've already discussed Norman Baker, so I won't bring any more credence to him. He doesn't deserve it. We'll begin with the TV shows. The TV show Ghost Hunters came to investigate the hotel in December of 2014. And I actually saw that episode. Uh, I watched Ghost Hunters faithfully. Uh, so did me and uh, my boys. <clears throat> uh, in addition to my son, I have two stepsons. And when they would come over to visit uh, the stepsons, when they'd come to visit, uh, all five of us would sit down in front of the TV, watch Ghost Hunters and, and enjoy ourselves. So we all loved that. So when the team arrived, uh, they spoke to Jack Moyer, the hotel's general manager, and Ken Fugate, a local historian. They go over the haunts with the team. The dining room is where a man named Jacob waits for women to come to breakfast. The office of Dr. Ellis, who practiced there in in the 1880s. A man, in the, uh, a man in Victorian clothing comes out of the elevator and walks through the door. Those who stay in room 419 wake in the mornings to find their bags packed and stacked against the door. Wow, I would uh, uh, freak out if I saw that. Then there's the morgue. It said a hostile guard haunts the room where autopsies were performed and body parts were stored. Next is the creepy nightly tours. With all the paranormal activity, it's understandable there would be ghost tours. Several haunted activities are offered to guests, such as ghost stories of the Ozark Mountains. And these are told, of course, around a campfire. At midnight, a tour is taken of the morgue and an hour-long supernatural comedy thriller show called Not Really a Door where two women who thinks they're living in their own homes, and one of them is a ghost. I guess you'd have to see it to understand. It's been said that some who've taken the nightly tours have seen orbs of lights, and some have even fainted in the exact spot where the portal is reported to be. So on to the portal. This portal is located just under the morgue. A recurring phenomenon happens in a spot on the third floor where the hotel connects to an annex. Some guests who've encountered it claim to feel faint, and even a few have actually passed out briefly. While the episodes don't last very long, this tends to substantiate the connection to the unknown. It's believed that because many people died under the care of Norman Baker, it's opened a portal to the other side. According to mediums who've investigated the hotel, there's another dimension that holds the spirits of the dead located here at the hotel and can be accessed uh, by those on the same frequency of ghosts. Not a lot of details are given about this so-called portal, so I'm not too sure about this questionable fact. However, with the recent uncovering of medical specimens or the bottle grave, in 2019, increased activity has been happening at the hotel. A dark figure has been recently spotted in the morgue, along with more cold spots and reports of people being touched. So next we have the story of Michael and Room 218. During the hotel's construction in 1885, a red-haired Irish stonemason named Michael fell to the second floor area while working on the roof, and he died. The area where he fell is located near room 218. It's said that this room is the most haunted place in the whole of the hotel. Those who've stayed in the room say they've seen hands emerge from the mirror in the bathroom and also hear loud bangs coming from the walls, in addition to the door opening and slamming shut. If I was staying there overnight and I went to the bathroom to get a drink of water and hands came out of the mirror, um, I would immediately turn around and run out. (laughs) I would not stay there. Nope, not going to happen. Uh, so it's also said that you, um, can hear screams and cries of a man seemingly falling that come from the ceiling. The TV and lights will turn on and off. Apparently, Michael playing tricks on the guests. So next, there is also a famous ghost, uh, there named Irene Castle. Early in the 20th century, two of the most well-known dancers around were a married couple named Irene and Vernon Castle. Irene appeared in numerous films in addition to a Broadway show. After her husband Vernon passed away, she moved to Eureka Springs to be closer to her son in 1959. Her home was just a few blocks away from the famous hotel. She passed away 10 years later. And it's said that she haunts the hotel because she spent a great deal of time there attending social events. One report is that of a vacationing family with a young daughter. While staying there, the mom was giving her daughter a bath when the daughter started carrying on a conversation with a female apparition. The little girl used words that she didn't know, such as uh, pirouette, tango, ballerina, and castle. Now, that is interesting. Had that been me and my son uh, started talking to someone that wasn't there, I would have picked him up, dried him off, dressed him, and immediately left. I would uh, I would have sent to have our things brought down because I would not have gone back into that room. So next, we go on to Theodora in room 419. Room 419 is mostly haunted by a spirit by the name of Theodora. She has been spotted both inside and outside of the room. It's been said that when she's seen outside of the room, she seems to be fumbling around for her room key. Those who stay in the room claim their belongings get moved around, and they didn't do it. The room also gets a once-over with the housekeep- uh, when the housekeepers aren't around, and guests' things are neatly packed and ready to go. What a nice ghost. Regarding who Theodora is or was when she was alive, some believe um, she was around during the time the hotel was a cancer hospital. It's unknown whether she was actually a patient or a nurse. And some witnesses who have actually spoken with her said that she's introduced herself as a cancer patient then disappears. And this is also the second most requested room in the hotel. The third floor and laundry room are apparently haunted too. When the hotel was a cancer curing hospital, the third floor was used as a pain ward where patients were brought before they died. Guests who've stayed on the third floor report hearing the sounds of squeaking wheels, like from a wheelchair uh, rolling across the floor. When they investigate the hallway, they see a nurse dressed uh, in white while rolling a gurney with a dead body down the hall, presumably going to the morgue. She would disappear as soon as she reached the end of the hallway. The laundry room is another haunted location uh, located near the morgue. One notable experience is when a maintenance worker claimed in the middle of the night, all of the washers and dryers turned on all by themselves, with no explanation as to why or how that happened. again. Another thing that if I were present and that happened, (laughs) not only would I pee my pants and run away, but uh, I would probably need therapy for the remainder of my day. So uh, yeah, again, another place that I won't be frequenting. So there are other notable paranormal experiences as well. One such experience is when a worker received a phone call from the recreation room in the basement but no one was on the other end of the phone. When the employees went to investigate, they saw that the phone was off the hook, but there was nobody around. That's really creepy. Uh, What's even more scary is the room was locked and the only way to enter the room was with a key that was at the front desk. The key was still at the front desk. Wow. In the kitchen one morning while slicing veggies, a cook saw a young boy wearing old-style clothing and knickers skipping in the kitchen. On another morning, the same cook witnessed pots and pans flying off their hooks. Wow, this is this place is pretty crazy. Um, there was a photo taken by an unknown person in room 202, where it looks like a ghostly figure is slouching down in the closet. People have also seen. A waiter walking down the halls carrying a tray of butter. How do they know that it's butter that he's carrying? It could be anything. Um, Anyway, there's also an appearance of a well-dressed man with a beard and mustache wearing Victorian-style clothing, top hat included, seen at the bottom of the stairways as well as at the bar. People state that they've uh, actually tried to talk with him, but he just sits there quietly, and then he just vanishes, just disappears. One of the scarier encounters is that of witnesses stating they've heard a woman screaming in, um, in a way that would suggest that she's falling. It's believed the screams are coming from a female who was a student when the building was a college for women. The story is a young woman either jumped or was pushed from a balcony and fell to her death. I did a little extra research on this and I didn't find anything reporting any deaths at the hotel when it was a college. So for me, that's not likely, but it's not to say that it's not true. Um, And the screams that people hear are just coming from something else entirely, but that's just my opinion. So again, you know, I, I, I don't really know. Some of these based on what I know, would be more like residual hauntings than scary hauntings, meaning they simply are recreating a past event like a recording. They're not ghosts per se, but rather the echo of an event that already happened. The last of the 10 frightening facts is about the Crystal Dining Room. Apparently, this is a hot spot for paranormal activity. Sounds to me like the whole place is a hot spot, so, you know, it's not just one thing. On one such instance uh, um, that was around Christmas time. So, uh, at the time when the dining room uh, was closed up, the Christmas tree and presents were moved to the opposite end of the room and the chairs were placed facing the tree all the way around it. And another time, the employees found menus placed all around the room when no one was even there or had been there. There are many reports of seeing spirits dressed in Victorian-style clothing, and one experience was a waitress who was looking in a mirror located between the dining room and the kitchen when she saw what looked like a man and a woman getting married. It was then the groom turned to look at her. They made eye contact, and then the couple just disappeared. Several sightings have been of an apparition of a man sitting at a table by the window dressed in period clothing. They've even heard him talk and say, I saw the most beautiful woman here last night and I am waiting for her to return. Other reports are of seeing people dance around the room in the middle of the night like you would at a dinner party of the time. What makes this the most haunted hotel in America is the activity of today. There are many ghost stories of the past, but the continued pursuit of paranormal investigators that flock to this hotel every year is great. There's an annual conclave hosted by the hotel inviting paranormal investigators for overnight hunts and to find answers. In 2021, evidence of a haunting was brought to light during the paranormal weekend event. A full-body apparition was captured on camera. This was done with a ghost hunting tool call, called a laser grid that creates pinpoints of light. If the light disappears, that would mean that something is blocking it. Hmm. That's quite interesting. As a matter of fact, I think I've, um, I saw ghost hunters use these, use those things. And, um, they, uh, they experienced the same thing in the episode that they were using the, the, there'd be like, um, like something was blocking the light. So yeah, that, that's, that's really interesting. Hauntings are more prominent in areas when uh, it was a hospital where there had been extreme trauma and tragedy. The emotional, physical, and mental pain of the cancer patients enacted by one Norman Baker have left its mark on the hotel. Those energies were released when he lied to those people. He declared he would help. The unfortunate thing for me is that he himself didn't have to experience any of this pain. Yeah, he went to prison for what he did, but he didn't stay there very long. And the people he hurt along the way can never find peace. They are doomed to relive their horror over and over again, searching for a cure for their disease that will never be found for them. I feel so sorry for these lost souls. And what's more... It's this kind of thing that still happens today. Those who profit off of someone else's misery, this kind of person is despicable and doesn't deserve the title human being. While not every death in this hotel was caused by one man, what he left in his wake is unsurmountable. I had heard about the Crescent Hotel before, but not to this extent, especially that of Norman Baker and the bottle grave that was found. That was one sick man. So with that, I will close. Um, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. And uh, please join me next week when I bring something uh, else interesting. And the list is never ending. I find stuff every day that I do my searches and stuff. I mean, there's just so much out there. So what you can do is you can follow us on Twitter, um, SusanRod6965. We also have Instagram. And that is the Darker Side of Things pod, Facebook, the Darker Side of Things podcast. And you can email us with your stories or any suggestions you have at the Darker Side of Things, the number one at gmail.com. So until next week, stay safe, keep it real, and stay away from the rabbit holes. They are dark and they are deep. Bye, everybody.